0: Uh, Find Genesis chapter 3. I promised last week, after last week, we wouldn't get quite as deep in the weeds of some of the ins and outs about creation. Uh, Tonight I think we'll answer the call of being a little more practical in, in areas. Of course I trust we finished out that way last week. But uh, find Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to look tonight at the fall of man and uncovering Satan's strategies. Uh, Picking up in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now, folks, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 5, I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul says. Paul says, But understand this, that in the last days there will be times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. Now I read that because you can't help but see what a great distance we've come from Genesis 1 and 2. Because in Genesis 1 and 2, what was the phrase that we read repeatedly? It was good. It was good and very good. And then Paul saying of the last days, of course we know that the last days began with the first advent of Jesus Christ. Paul says in the last days there will be perilous times. What happened? How have we gone from good to seeing everything we see in the world today? Sin, the fall, the fall of man. Now, of course, the fall refers to that period of time in Genesis 3 we've just read where the first couple listened to the voice of Satan and disobeyed God and sin was introduced into the very created order. Now, it's important to see that sin affected everything. Of course, it affected Adam and Eve's relationship with God. It reflected their, uh, affected their relationship with one another. It affected their children because in chapter 4 we're going to see one of their sons rising up against the other and taking his life. It affected all of society. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, in fact, that all of creation is groaning. It's suffering and groaning and longing for the day of redemption of the sons of God. So sin entering the created order has affected mankind, but it's affected more than just mankind. It's affected everything. In Genesis chapter 6, God will say that uh, when, he, when he sees the wickedness of mankind, he will say every thought and intent of man's heart is now wicked and the whole entire earth is filled with violence. Now, the only hope for mankind is what? The Lord Jesus. Jesus. Redemption. Redemption through Christ. That's why the scripture says that God one day is going to complete the story of redemption when he makes all things new. This current heavens and earth are going to pass away and God's going to create a new heavens and a new earth and God says in Revelation 21 that he's going to make all things new. Well until then, what's the church supposed to do? Well, obviously we need to pray. God's sovereign. God's sovereign over this planet. The fall did not mean that God's not sovereign anymore. Didn't affect his sovereignty, so we need to pray. And what else do we need to do? We need to preach the gospel because if redemption is the only hope of mankind, what's the scripture say? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing through the word of God. You know what that means? That means that as much as it might matter to be engaged in the cultural battles or in politics or whatever, that's not the ultimate answer, is it? The gospel is the answer. Now tonight I do want us to go back and look at this passage. It is the the foundational passage in the Bible that explains to us what has gone wrong in the world. But folks as we look at this I don't want you to just simply think about the first couple. Because I want you to understand that as we'll cover later, there's a sense in which we were there too. And guess what? As the Bible says, we have continued to do the same things, the same acts of disobedience that Adam and Eve did. And so we're all guilty. First of all tonight, I want you to notice with me. The prelude to the fall. The prelude to the fall. Look at how chapter 3 begins. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And so immediately as we get into chapter 3 here we see a very rude intrusion. Again, as I mentioned earlier, we've gone from everything being good and finally very good to now what we see here, that there is a serpent that has come into the garden. Folks, nowhere do we find a more peaceful or serene scenario than in chapters 1 and 2. But then we get into chapter 3 and we notice that things go horribly wrong. Now you know Satan. You what? Exactly. Yeah. Satan has been caricatured by so many writers and actors and comedians. Some people don't even believe he exists anymore. Some people in the world try to doubt the existence of the devil. They, they try to explain things away on, on an impersonal evil force. In other words, they take D out of devil and just leaving us with evil and try to say it's just a bad cosmic force. The Bible doesn't do that. The Bible tells us that there is a personal being who is God's enemy and our enemy. And by the way, Jesus never doubted the existence of Satan. He referred to him as a murderer and the father of lies. He also called him the evil one and the prince of this world. And Paul called him the God of this age who has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. So right away we're introduced to him here. Uh, There he is. He's a creature in the garden and we notice that he is a serpent talking. Now, I don't know, as I've indicated to you before, I, this, is, this is only speculation on my part. But I just have to wonder about it. If you were to turn and read Isaiah chapter 6, who was it flying around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy? Those, those angels in the very presence of God around the throne of God. Seraphim, seraphim. Exactly. If you study the background on the seraphim you will find that they were angelic creatures and they were serpent-like creatures. The seraphim were angelic but they were serpent-like. Well we know Satan was an angel. Did Satan belong to the classification of angels called the the seraphim does that explain why he had the appearance of a, a serpent I don't know just a thought who is he well the name Satan means what adversary adversary meaning that he's our opponent he's God's opponent he's our opponent he's called the devil The Greek word there means the one who accuses us. In Genesis chapter 3, we see the devil slandering and accusing God before men. And in Job 1 and 2, we see the devil slandering and accusing man before God. He's also called the dragon. The dragon. The book of Revelation, Revelation 12, has that image of him. With that image, the Bible is purposely giving us a hideous image of Satan, hopefully so no one would be attracted to him. Well, where did he come from? There's other places in the Bible that allow us to put together a a pretty good picture. We know he was a created being. He's not equal with God. Folks, as Bible believing Christians, we do not hold to dualism. Dualism that says there's two equal powers in the universe, one for good and one for evil God and Satan. Two equal powers, and they're involved in this cosmic duel. And we don't know how it's going to end up. We don't believe that. We don't hold to dualism. There's not two sovereign. By the definition of sovereign you can only have one sovereign God. We don't hold to two equal beings. The devil is a created being. Isaiah 14 speaks of him. Uh, some people, you know, we, they also see in Ezekiel 28. Although the Ezekiel 28 passage, you can also make a case as Dr. Greg Beale does that Ezekiel 28 may not be referring to Satan but actually referring to Adam. Adam in the garden before the fall. You can at least make that case for the Ezekiel passage. But anyway, Isaiah 14... Uh, beginning in twelve, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen says, How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn, you have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations, but you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven, I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will make Make myself like the Most High, nevertheless you will be thrown down to Sheol to the recesses of the pit. And then in Revelation 12, I mentioned that a moment ago. uh, John says, Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads." were seven diadems and his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Satan lost his place in heaven and the Bible says that he's now roaming to and fro in the earth seeking whom he may devour. Now in addition to Satan, what else do you have? You have the demonic powers. Satan's demons who fell with him. Paul talks in Ephesians chapter 6 about principalities and powers in high places that we battle against. He says we don't battle against just flesh and blood but against principalities and powers in high places. 1 Peter 5 Peter says he's seeking someone to devour. Well, we see who his target is in this passage. His target is the first man and woman. But folks, what I want you to understand is he, he's real, Satan's real, and he's not a pushover. The Bible says he comes as the deceiver and he will even disguise himself As an angel of light. And so we need to be wise to his schemes. Right? Something caught my eyes. This has nothing to do with tonight. Are y'all okay? Do we need a counseling appointment afterwards? Dot and Russell? You're okay. Okay. Well, secondly... <laughs> Anatomy of the Fall Satan will twist God's word and try to get you to desire what God has forbidden look at verse 4 but the serpent said to the woman you will not die for God knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil now what notice what the tempter did here he went in with a direct frontal attack on the authority of God's word One of the ways Satan operates is to try to destroy our lives with his lies. He tries to cast dispersion and doubt on God's Word. He wants to get you and me living outside of the authority of God's Word. He'll try to convince you that there's no heaven, there's no hell, there's no God. Or if there is a heaven, just be as good as you can. And God grades on the curve. And if you're good, you'll get there. Lies of the devil. He's pretty good. He's, when you look at what people are doing on planet earth, he's pretty good at what he does, isn't he? Unfortunately. And you know, the proverb says... There's a way that seemeth right unto a man that in the end is what is It's the way of death. Yes. Very crafty. He's the deceiver. Well, he'll twist God's word as I mentioned. He'll call God's word into question. Uh Now, let me ask a question. Did God say exactly what Satan is claiming right here? No. Look back at verses 16 and 17 of chapter 2. 16 and 17 of chapter 2. The Lord God commanded the man saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall die. But now what's he saying here? Well, Eve said we're well, not even to touch it, but he said the serpent said, "You'll not die. Your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God." How's he trying to paint God out as being here? He's trying to paint God as being stingy. God's stingy. God is holding back something from you that you need. How dare God ask that much of you? Actually, just the opposite was the truth. God had been gracious. He'd given them all, all of these things to eat. God had just withheld the, this tree here. Right? God was the gracious provider. God wasn't stingy. But Satan is trying to make him out to be stingy. By the way, why will God ever say no to us about anything? It's because he loves us, right? He will will withhold that which he knows would be our undoing. So even God's knows are are God's kindness and grace in action, right? Even God's knows are part of God's grace. Well, the devil wanted Eve to to view God as this cosmic killjoy. You know, he wants us to believe that that every time God sees somebody having pleasure, God's going to move in and try to break it up, right? Is that true? Of course not. Jesus said, I came that you might have life. And have it more abundantly. The psalmist wrote, The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. And then Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 17, that we have a God who gives us richly all things, all good things to enjoy. Now, we can see right away from Eve's response, she's in trouble. Because she too is misquoting God's word. She's kind of running careless with God's word. She adds to it. She makes it more severe. She says, God said, you shall not even touch it. But you know, that's that's kind of like what we do, isn't it? Dr. Kent Hughes in his commentary on Genesis, he, he says an example of this. A father corrects his daughter and her friend for misbehaving and says it's time for her friend to leave that evening and go home. What's the daughter do? The daughter goes running to her mother and cries, Daddy made Katie go home and says she can never come over again. Or the employee comes out of the boss's office. He's just been corrected for being late. The other employee says, is everything okay? Oh yeah, the boss just told me if anybody ever again shows up late for any reason, we'll all be fired. That's kind of human nature, isn't it? That's, that's what Eve's doing. She's adding, she's adding to the restriction. We're not even to touch it. Well, Satan directed Eve's gaze to the forbidden fruit. And he used that appeal. He he used it, it it looked good to her and he convinced her that she wanted it. He got her to linger on that when she should have fled. He got her acting in In independence from God, go ahead, do your own thing. Forget about what God said. You're going to be okay. In fact, you're going to be like God. And folks, unfortunately, that's where most of the human race is right there. Listening to Satan's lies and deceptions. Because most are going about in life and they are doing their own thing. They are living as though they are their own God. Right? And you know something? Hang on just a second. Man, man thinks, uh, man is so gullible. It blows me away how gullible man is. Man thinks he's so free. I like what Martin Luther said about that. Man's free now after, after the fall. He's free. He's free to sin. There's the bondage of the will. He's free all right, but his freedom's going to go in the direction of, of sin. Jim? Oh sure! Wow, I would be like the big guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Because in in First John, that's one of the temptations has to do with the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Right? Mm hmm. well let's continue to look at the anatomy of the fall Satan will tell you that disobedience to God does not have bad consequences Satan just comes right out and says you're not going to die God's not going to punish your, your eating of that, of that tree you're going to be just fine Even today, he likes to turn the Ten Commandments into what? The Ten Suggestions. Folks, this whole thing hinged upon who Eve was going to believe. Was she going to believe God? Or was she going to believe the serpent? Same thing today. Are we going to believe God? Or are we going to believe the evil one? Who are we going to believe? Now, doubt and denial were followed up with delusion. The doubt and denial is is what? You're not going to die. What's the delusion? You're going to be like God. He was putting into Eve's mind the daring thought, the sinful thought, the rebellious thought that had been in his own mind when he thought he could be like God and with that first bite she was his she was a sinner the Bible says he that committeth sin is the slave of sin and finally we read here that she gave in other words the sinner became the seducer. What do we see going on in society today when, when men and women sin? They, they want to get all their friends to join in with them to the party, right? It's not enough that they might be doing it. Try to get others on board with them. just just think about what's going on in America right now all the seductions we see around us in so many areas and man just man just falls right in line with the with the deception man goes right along with it and gets all his buddies going along with it too well Look at what happened. Here, we we see sin's consequences. We, we we see here that sin brings separation from God and, and human shame. What what did the devil promise them that they were going to? Their eyes were going to be open and they were going to be like God. Well, their eyes were open, and what did they realize? That they were naked. <laughs> Is that not the biggest anticlimactic thing there? Satan, Satan said, Your eyes are gonna be open, and you're gonna be like God. Well their eyes were opened all right, but all they all they noticed is that they were naked. Anticlimatic. Satan can't prom I Satan can't deliver what he promises, right? He can't deliver what he promises. Now, I want you to notice what do they immediately try to do. They immediately try to rectify their own situation. Cover their nakedness. And that's the folly today with religion. That men can... Just with their own homemade whatever. They can, they can cover their shame and their guilt and their alienation from God. They can take care of it. No they can't. Adam and Eve take the fig leaves. They saw them together. They try to come up with their own remedy for what they have done. Somebody has said that for the first time in history a man's wife had to go shopping for clothes, and we've never gotten over it. <laughs> Another one said, Adam cried out, Honey, I'm naked and I need to cover my carcass. And Eve answered, Darling, don't worry. I've ordered fig leaves from Neiman Marcus. <laughs> Who comes up with these things anyway? Anyway. Uh, Seriously though, isn't that what man tries to do with religion or philosophy or good works? Man tries to come up with his own solutions and it's just modern day fig leaves. That's all it is. Man tries to do something to cover his own nakedness. He knows that he's separated from God. He's alienated from God. He's in trouble and he tries to do something about it. Next, we see their flight. They hear God walking in the garden and what do they do? Run and hide. Now, somebody in the scripture learned the futility of that. Who was it? Jonah. You can't hide from God. Remember what King David said in Psalm 139? If I did want to get away from God, if I could ascend all the way to the heavens, guess what? You're there. If I could go all the way down in the depths of Sheol, you're there. I could go all the way east to the beginning of the day you're there if I could go all the way west you're there you're everywhere God can't get away from God and you know that certainly lets us know that when you sin you might want it to be private but to God it's It's out in the open, right before his eyes. He sees, he knows. Now, before the voice of God in the garden had been their delight. But now, they're trying to get away from him. Now, did God not know where they were? Of course God knew where they were. He's to, he's trying to pull them out, trying to get them out in the open and confess what they've done, and then they go from trying to fix their own problem with their their problem with their own solutions to running and hiding. To then, what do they start doing? Making excuses and blaming, blaming one another. We could say it, it goes from their plight to their flight, now to a fight. They're pointing the finger at one another. Adam's making excuses. God, it's her fault. And God, by the way, while I'm telling you it's her fault, it's your fault too because you're the one who gave her to me. And Eve saying, it's the serpent's fault. The blame game. Do you think God hears excuses like that today? Absolutely. Well, God, if you wouldn't have let me get in that situation in the first place, people have all kinds of excuses they try to make. Adam has gone from making over his new wife, saying she's bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, to now he's pointing the finger at her. And so there's the blame and the division. You think all of this is what Adam and Eve bargained for? Of course not. It's like the old saying that that sin will take us further than we wanted to go. It will keep us longer than we wanted to stay. And it will cost us more than we wanted to pay. You know, sin sounds like a lot of fun up front, and and make no mistake about it. What's the book of Hebrews say in those closing chapters? The book of Hebrews says something about sin. Anybody know? It describes the pleasures of sin for a season. Might seem like fun up front, right? The devil promises a party and instead we end up with hell on earth. Now folks, you mark it down. God will judge sin. The serpent now crawls. The woman cries out in childbirth. There's the battle of the sexes that now goes on that verse 16 talks about here. Where, he's, where he says to Eve, your desire is going to be for your husband. Somebody thinks on the surface... How is that a bad thing? A woman's desire for her husband, that seemed like a good thing. But it's the desire in the sense, the the words used here, the sense you're going to want Adam's place in the family. Your desire is going to be for his place of headship. But then he goes on to say here, But he shall rule over you. And it's not the good word for rule. It is the word for rule that means even dominate over you if he has to. It's the same word that's going to be used in chapter 4 of sin where God says to Cain, uh, sin is crouching at your door but you must gain mastery over it. You must dominate and gain the mastery over it. So, in other words, what verse 16 is describing here, here, here's Adam and Eve, they've gone from this harmonious relationship, Eve is his helpmate, one corresponding to him, now they're at odds. That's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, for Christian couples, we can go back to how it was intended to be. Where Paul says in in Ephesians 5, yes, the husband's to be the leader of the home, but it's to be a leadership carried out with agape love, where he lifts the wife up. And then she lovingly submits. So Paul is saying for Christian couples, instead of this battle, it can go back to the way it had been intended to be. So the pain in childbirth, the battle of the sexes, work is going to go for Adam. It's going to go from joyful activity to sometimes grueling, painful labor. And finally, there's death. God tells Adam that, that he is going to die. So do we close the story right there? Do we close the Bible story right there? No. We don't, do we? What's God's solution? We see hints of it in this passage. What's God's solution? Yes. Yes, verse verse 15. But even along with verse 15, what do we see God immediately doing? The animal skins. What did animal skins imply? Something had to die. Sin cost, right? For the first time in the garden, Adam and Eve saw death. They had to have realized what their sin had done. Something had to die. But God's ultimate solution wasn't just for Adam and Eve. It was for the whole human race. Because God was going to send his son to be the perfect sin sacrifice. The one who would die. Folks I want you to understand something You were in the garden too (laughs) I I didn't realize You were there too The Bible Bible says you were there too Romans chapter 5 You were in Adam's loins As theologians talk about He was the federal head of the human race We come from our first parents At, At the time of Adam and Eve Adam was man So when Adam sinned It was man sinning. You and I were there in that sense. And that's why Paul says in Romans 5 that that Adam, sin came into the world sin came into the world through Adam. He represented all of us. And then Christ righteousness comes into the world through him. It's funny, you come to Romans 5, sometimes people will object to the first half of the equation. It's not fair for me to be in Adam. Okay, so if you don't want to be in Adam, you don't want to be in Christ. Oh no, I want to be in Christ. No, it goes both ways. We're in Adam, but we're also in Christ. And that's where the hope is. And so you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. You're in Adam. Everybody on planet Earth is either in Adam or they're in Christ. If you're in Adam, you're in trouble. Now, We look at the rest of the Old Testament We see the rest of the Old Testament Filled with the sacrifices And those sacrifices were a foreshadowing Of what God was going to do in Jesus Remember what John the Baptist said Behold the Lamb of God Who takes away the sin of the world Satan came against the second Adam The Lord Jesus But what did Jesus do? Did he waffle or waver on God's word? No. He stood squarely on God's word and he quoted God's word without compromise and the devil left him. And then on that first Palm Sunday over 2,000 years ago, the perfect Lamb of God entered the gates of the city and he was examined for three days as those lambs were. Those lambs that at the same week would have been shut up and examined by the priest because they had to show that those lambs they were going to sacrifice were perfect without blemish. Well, the religious leaders examined Jesus during that same time. And he had no fault. Even Pilate had to admit, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they killed him anyway. The blood was shed, the sacrifice was made, that the shame of our nakedness might be covered. And what's different about what he did is it never has to be redone. Amen? Amen? Never has to be redone. On the cross, Jesus says it is finished. And the writer of Hebrews says he offered himself and nothing else ever has to be done. The blood was shed, our sin is forgiven, the relationship with God is reestablished for those who are in Christ. We no longer have to hide in shame and guilt and the Bible says he's preparing a place for us. A place that the Bible tells us in the closing chapters of the book of Revelation is going to be much like the Garden of Eden. It started in a garden, it ends in a garden, and yet that next garden will be a garden without the presence of the serpent and without the presence of sin. The redemptive story in the Bible, it all ties together, doesn't it? Well, I I want you to understand in closing tonight that Satan is still about his same schemes. Trying to discredit, get us to, he's trying to discredit to man God's word. And he'll try to tell you if you will only listen to him and break God's word, you'll get away with it and somehow or another you're going to end all up better for it. And you're not. He's still the liar that he's always been. He specializes in dividing us and separating us from our heavenly father. And he specializes in dividing people from one another just like he tried to do with Adam and Eve and then with Cain and Abel. And we're just so blind. People are blind just like they were. We go right along. Folks, I want you to see the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only answer for this world. You can't cover your shame and nakedness. But he can. And he has in Christ. For all who come to Christ, there's reconciliation. Reconciliation. You don't have to run and hide from God. But there's reconciliation and fellowship. And then not only does he restore our relationship with him. But in the church he makes it to where Christians love one another. And can put one another ahead of themselves. Satan can't deliver on what he promises but God can and will deliver on every single thing that he promises because he cannot lie. Satan is a liar and the father of lies but God cannot lie. Amen? Okay. Questions, comments, before we close in prayer? Yes. 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 Right. God went in search of them. Even, Even though they had sinned and ran from God, God was the initiator in going after them.